All that said, uh, we'll bring PowerPoint up. And I want to talk to you about love. Love. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. How many remember that song? Sing it, brother. Huh? No, I won't. I'm going to sing it for that poor cricket that didn't make it during the service. <laughs> At least he went before I began to preach, right? You know, so I don't have that on my conscience. Um, <laughs> why don't we pray while we're waiting for the first slide? Father, we, we love to get into your word. Because when we get into your word, you get into our hearts. Open our hearts, open our minds, give us understanding, and teach us tonight, tonight, today. Well, teach us tonight, too. Teach us all day long right into the night. Just be our teacher, Holy Spirit, morning and evening. Guide us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, what does real love look like? That's an important question today. Um, you know, because I believe in our culture, love's just become another four-letter word. I mean, you know, I mean, it's just thrown around like a cheap word. I love you. You know, I love you, man. You know, <laughs> love you too, man. We'll have to do lunch, you know. I mean, we just say that all the time. Or I love hamburgers. Well, you know, I mean, in the biblical sense. Yeah, you know, so I even cheapen the word love. You know, I do love hamburgers. By the way, there's a great new hamburger place in Fort Worth. I don't mind mentioning, mentioning it. Come and see me after the service. So, there are four words in the Greek language that were used to define love. And many of you know these, but let me just kind of go over them, just kind of a little bit of a review. The first word is agape. Agape means the love of God for man, love that is shown in commitment and action. And we know the scripture, John 3, 16, of course. The second word is phileo. And that it talks about brotherly love or friendship or close affection. It's usually used in that context of friction, uh, affection or kindness of a friend. And then the third word is one that you don't probably hear about much. It's the word storge. And storge is familial love. It's the love between members of a family. Now, these were the ancient Greek words. And the fourth word is the word eros, which refers to the intimate sexual love between individuals. Now, Plato, um, in his uh, writings, he said that he disagreed that it had to be sexual. So there's where you get the term platonic love. You ever heard that before? Well, it's just platonic love. Okay, well, don't, can, I, can I give you a little tip here, folks? Um, don't, don't get pulled into that, that lie. Um, you know, I, I believe that men and women can be friends. But men and women who aren't married should not be meeting together to confide in one another and to be sharing their problems and their, their wounds and everything because when they do that, they open the door. The platonic can become eros very quickly. Watch that trap. So in the Bible, though, there's only two words that are used in the Bible, and the Holy Spirit only chose agape and phileo. He didn't even choose to use the word storge or eros, you don't find those in the Old or the New Testament Greek texts. And, um, and I believe there's a reason for that. Now, there's a whole lot that can be said about these words. I'm just introduction. But these two words up here, agape and phileo, you'll find the confusion between Jesus and Peter when Jesus is restoring Peter, you know, af after his resurrection. And he said, Peter, do you agapao me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, I phileo you. You see, there's a difference between agape and phileo, and Peter had this, this gap. You know, he really didn't know what Jesus was saying because Peter had not really learned agape love yet. Agape love is God's love in us, and we'll see what it really means. And finally, Jesus, after two times, that he said, do you agape me? And he said, I phileo you. Then finally Jesus said, well, do you phileo me? And he says, of course, you know, I phileo you. And Jesus, you know, then moves on. We need to move beyond those mere understandings of brotherly love or affection, although that's great. But we are called to agape love. Now, the book of First John could be called the book of love. I mean, it's all about love. 
It's all about light. Light is love. Love is light. You can't walk in darkness if you're hating your brother. You can't walk in light without loving your brother. And so throughout the five chapters of John, John turns over the love rock over and over again. But for this morning, I just want to look at the first section. And I'm just going to put the scriptures up there for you. If you have your Bibles, please uh, turn to the text. But verses 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. Will you read those last four words with me? For God is love. Read those with me again. For God is love. This whole thing of agape love, in fact, in this entire chapter, the section of 1 John 4, and I have not looked at every word in, that's used in 1 John, but I can tell you in the whole fourth chapter, when he's talking about love, the only word that John uses is agape. In fact, most of the time when the Bible's talking about the love that we have for one another and our love in the whole body of Christ and our interactions, interactions with each other it's talking about agape love agape love is the defining character of god and it's to be the defining character of a believer if we're if we're what does a christian mean it means to be like christ right and if i'm going to be like christ and if he is love then i should be walking and living and manifesting love I should begin to look like my father. I should begin to act like my father. God looks for agape in our hearts, in our actions, toward the least of these. And I think it's easy to show love, and it's easy to be committed to people that we like or, or that are going to give us something reciprocally. You know, it's like, oh yeah, there's something in it for me. You, know, you ever heard that? Well, what's in it for you? What's in it for me? You know, and... And agape love never asks those questions. Agape love is the very nature of God. We can't claim to be children of God without manifesting and growing in agape love. This is 1 John 3.16. I love these, and I've said this several times, and most of you heard this, but it's, it's kind of interesting. The Bible wasn't written with chapter and verse. In the Greek text, you're not going to see chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. You're not even going to see punctuation the way we normally have it in the English language. But when it was translated and put in chapter and verse for us, John 3, 16, you all could say that with me, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. 1 John 3, 16. This is really cool. 1 John 3.16 says this, By this we know agape. I'm just going to use the word agape here this morning, okay? By this we know agape. Because he laid down his life for us, uh-oh, we ought also to lay down our lives for one another. Well, you know, God, I just want to mail a check. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say a prayer, but I don't really want to get committed. I, you know, I don't really want to do something. I was at Wanda's, my hangout. Many times you'll see me there in the morning, having breakfast, working on my computer. And they don't even give me a menu anymore. If they do, they don't know. You know, the girl goes, I just have to make sure it's decaf now, it's decaf now. You know, give me decaf now. So they came there, and, and I was there a little bit late because I had been at the doctor's, and I had, didn't get there, so I was going around lunchtime, but I still wanted to have breakfast. I'm a breakfast guy. I like to have breakfast in the morning. Whenever I train new salesmen, I would tell them, you can't do any good sales until you have breakfast. So my, the, my best friend, who's now with, with the Lord, when I hired him and trained him, uh, for his job, we got stuck on the San Diego freeway in California for two and a half hours. 
And uh, we couldn't, we were just sitting on the hood of the car. We didn't know what was going on. We were just stuck. You couldn't get off. You couldn't do anything. And so he said, man, we don't have much time to run the route. I said, I don't care. A good salesman always starts with breakfast. So we went to Coco's and had breakfast. Then we went and did our route. So uh, I always go there for breakfast and I was having breakfast. And uh, there was this uh, gentleman there and he saw the brace on my knee. And, and, he, and he, he was um, an older gentleman. He said, uh, you know, does that help? And we started talking, and he was all by himself. I kind of sensed in my heart that he was a widower. I just had this feeling that he was a widower. He, and, and he was a regular, too. I, I could tell that they knew who he was, because they said, is it butter beans today? You know, um, so I could kind of tell that's a regular. That's a question you ask a regular. And, and I went over and talked with him a little bit, and... Um, you know, he's really having troubles with his knees, and he was going to the doctor that day. And then there was interruptions, interruptions, and I was picking up my stuff, and the Lord just said, go and pray for him, for goodness sakes. <laughs> so I, I, I said, would you mind if I prayed for you? And he said, oh, no, please. So I, I, I laid my hand on his shoulder, and I prayed for him. And, and when I got done, he just, he just looked up and he just said, that was very kind of you. I hope I see him again, because I'm believing God for a good report. But the thing is, is that agape takes action. It takes time. It takes connection. It takes commitment. It takes going out of our, it's, it's, it's not the priest that's going like this, leaving the wounded guy there, and it's not the rabbi that's going like this. It's the good Samaritan that stops and binds up the wounds and places him on his donkey and takes him to the inn and pays the bill. That's agape. Mm. Seven, eight. There we go, 9 to 10. In this is the love of God, in this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Can I, as I'm reading this, I'm just thinking, John's whole life was framed by John 3.16. Everything he writes, and everything he says, and everything he did, was because John 3.16 had, had impacted his life so much, so powerfully. And he writes and he says, verse 10, And this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent His Son to be, and here's a $24 word. And some people say, well, we need to just totally do away with these big words. I think, no, we need to learn what they mean. Who sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins, because the word propitiation is one of the most powerful words you're ever going to encounter in the Bible. Agape love is definitely shown in our willingness, listen to this, to forgive, to look past another's faults, and to look into their God-given potential. You see, that's what Jesus did when He died for us. He died so that He could forgive us. He looked past our faults to the joy that was set before Him and the brokenness that He would have to bear for us. And he looked into the potential that God had for us through redemption, through his blood. The word propitiation means to take the guilt and wrath upon oneself in order to appease the anger of God. God was angry, not with mankind, but with sin. 
And because he's a totally just and righteous God, he could not just wink at sin or just give a pass on sin. He couldn't just say, okay, it doesn't matter that you've sinned and broken fellowship with me. There has to be something that's done. The penalty, the price has to be paid. You can't pay it, 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 I can't pay it. Nobody in here could pay it. So this is what God said. I love these people so much. I'm going to pay it. And I'm going to appease my own anger through my own blood. Wow. It's not just that he died for your sins, it's that he took the anger of God against sin, the judgment of God against sin, the sentence of hell. And he took it on himself so that he could fulfill it. If the father was, listen, if the father was willing to allow his only beloved son, you remember when Abraham took up Isaac and God didn't allow him to sacrifice Isaac and he said, I was looking for someone whose heart was true. He was looking for someone who was willing to give up his only son to have the same heart that Father God had, that he could bring the lineage of that Savior through. If the Father was willing to allow his only beloved Son to take upon himself our sin and our guilt and the full wrath of God's judgment, shouldn't we be willing to extend forgiveness to those who have sinned against us? Think about it. Come on, every one of us in this room, every single one of us in this room, there's somebody who's still kind of just, you know, I've like had it with that person. Family member, maybe? Co-worker? Neighbor? Fellow church member? Your pastor? <laughs> Peter writes this in 1 Peter 4. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all, have fervent love for one another. For agape will cover a multitude of sins. You know why I can't hold something against you and why I won't? Because of agape. Agape is so big and powerful. God did so much for me, I can't hold anything against you. You know, I've been hurt m many times over the years. You know, when you're a pastor, you're vulnerable. Because you open up your lives and you open up your hearts to people. And sometimes, you know, you get an et tu brutus, you know? <laughs> You know, you get one of those. And many times it's from people you're really close to, you really care about, and it hurts. And, and there have been times when that kind of stuff has happened, and I'll see someone at a Walmart, and I'll be going, I'm ready to go, and they, they, pew, but I'm never going to, and and someone, someone said, well, you know what? How can you even talk to that person anymore? Because of agape love. Because of agape love. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. And God has forgiven them all. I think he changed the size of my ear this morning. I'll have to have Sherry help me again. God has forgiven them all. He didn't leave like a little cheat sheet of things that he can go back to and say, well, Kirk, you're doing pretty good, but look at this. The Bible says, as far as the east is from the west. You know why he didn't say as far as the north is from the south? Because you can go from the north pole to the south pole and you find it there. But when you start trying to chase the east by going away, you can never get there. You see, he's removed your sin to where it can never be found again. 
His love took upon Himself the full wrath of God. The full wrath of God. When He cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God's wrath was poured out on Him and His fellowship with God that lasted for eternity was broken at that moment for you. That your fellowship would never have to be broken again. Wow, that's real love. Verses 11 and 12. Beloved, if God so... Oh, what a powerful word that is. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love has been perfected in us. Agape love is the only way a dying and hurting world will see the power of the living Christ. They're not going to see it through a statue. They're not going to see it through a song, necessarily. We can sing songs without love. They're not going to see it through a spiritual gift because even though I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, if I don't have agape, it's nothing. The only way people are going to see Jesus is if we love one another and love others with agape love. The world can't see God, but it does see us. It sees us every day. It sees us wherever we are. Now, we're not perfect, and we never will be. But we are being perfected in love. You know, I wish I would have known this as a teenager. I would have avoided a lot of hurt and grief that I caused my mother, a lot of hurt and grief that I caused others. You look at this old guy and young people, you may say, this guy's like, you know, Kali. He's old. How does he know what I'm going through? Can I tell you something? I still see myself as you. And I remember when I knew everything, just like you do. <laughs> I knew it all. And my parents weren't in tune. They didn't understand. And in a real way, they didn't. I mean, you know, they, it, we kind of forget all the stuff that's going on in here and here, and it's like, Rah! but I want to tell you something. I realize now the older I get, every day, I know less and less and less and less. And I need God more and more and more and more. When the world looks at us, what are they seeing? The world needs to see agape, not a shallow expression of phileo. Hey, how you doing, brother? Oh, good. Okay, great. You know. God bless you. How are you? I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, thank you. So am I. Glory to God. You know, what is all that stuff? You know, I mean, I don't talk like that. You know, I mean, I think that's a cultural thing. You can grow up in a church that's culturally, they say all those cute little phrases, and you can do all those cute little phrases and not be loving anybody. Jesus said this, Matthew 5, you know this scripture, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill can't be hidden. I want to tell you, the United States is not the light, the city on a hill, you are. The church is, capital C, church, is the light on the hill. Sorry, Ronald. The only thing I disagreed with you on, well, maybe a couple others. But a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, hide it under a bushel, no, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. So, you know when John wrote, he wrote, you know, John said, in him was life, and his life was what? The light for all men. And then, 1 John says, God is love. So can I just read it this way? Let your agape so shine before men 
that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Oh. And Jesus said in John 13, 35, By this will all men know that you are my disciples if you have agape love for one another. I could keep going, but I'm, I'm going to keep going. 1 John 4, 13-15 By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He's given us of His Spirit. And we've seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. And we know and believe the love that God has for us God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Whoa. Agape is the real true evidence of a spirit-filled life. When Paul, and I already quoted this scripture, but when Paul did his whole treatise in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, on spiritual gifts to a really powerful church. I mean, the Corinthian church today would have been a mega church probably, and they would say, that church really has it going. Man, they got the best worship team. You go there, man, and they're on fire. Woo! That house is going, baby. That house is rocking. And Paul said, yeah, you're rocking, and you're going, and that's good. But you've kind of forgotten about love. In 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3, he says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not agape, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Every church is put right now in the basket. You got churches that do social action. You got churches that are on fire with spiritual gifts. And you got churches that are preaching faith, faith, faith. And he says, all of that's good, but if you don't have agape, none of it's good. You know, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 is not whether spiritual gifts are good or not, they're all good but they're good when they're mixed with love. They're good when they're motivated out of love because if I'm moving in my gifts out of love, I'm not going to be being a showboat for you to tell me how great I am. I'm going to be on my knees washing your feet and drying them with a towel. Wow. The Holy Spirit is the one who pours God's love in our hearts, man. Romans 5, 5 says, His hope, we read this last week, does not disappoint us because agape, agape, agape is being poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. I want it. I need it. You ever tried taking a shower when there's no water pressure? Isn't that like the worst thing in the world? You're trying to rinse, man. You're going, you're getting under this little, you're going, I want it. When I turn that shower on, baby, I want, boom. You know, I want it to throw me back against the wall. You know? I want, when I, I want the Lord just to, I want it to be like a, a gusher, man. Uncork that fire hydrant and just, poo, blow me away with your love. Change my life, Lord God. Worship team, come back up. Because we're going to have communion after I make these last few short points. Verses 17, 18, and 19. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. Why can we have boldness in the day of judgment? Because He became sin for us, who knew no sin, so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Propitiation. Verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. When we begin to fear, we're not walking in the Spirit. When we begin to fear, we're not being overflown 
uh, over, over uh, whatever, yeah, with love. <laughs> whatever that word is. We, when we're in love, see, if you're walking in love, if you're walking in love, then the enemy can't do anything with you. Perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. That's because God doesn't fear. And when you've got God in you, that's perfect love. Fear comes knocking at the door, and it op- you open up the door, and there's God saying, I got this guy. you got to go. I was at the fair yesterday with my lovely wife, and we were kind of playing a game. I was uh, walking around the different vendors, and they all wanted to sell me something. I was seeing how I quickly I could shoot them down with a one, one uh, rhetorical tort. They'd go, hey, do you need new kitchen, kitchen cabinets or new, new kitchen counters? We already did that. Okay. Hey, the guy at at t says, how would you like uh, internet with 1,000 megabytes per second? I said, that sounds really attractive, but you can't give it to me. He says, oh, let me try. I said, go ahead. And he <laughs> give me your address. I gave it to my address. He goes and types it in. Oh, no, I'm sorry, we only have 25 megabytes per second in Weatherford. Yeah, I knew it. I'm on my way. And so, you know, yeah, do you need your glasses clean? No, I cleaned my glasses already. Thank you very much. You know, I was, I, no one sold me anything. And that's what God does, man. He shuts down that fear in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. <laughs> it says, he who is fears has not been made perfect in love. Now, I fear sometimes. And I need to, when I do that, run to the Father and allow His love just to overshadow me, to fill me, to come in me, and just to stand. He is my shield. He is my great reward. I hide myself in the rock of His love. Verse 19, we love Him because He first loved us. So we have righteousness, we have the Holy Spirit, we have an overcoming love, and we have victory. There's so much more I could say about that. But I got two more verses before we come to the table. Verses 20 and 21. Love is our victory over fear. And finally, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Hmm. That means that i got to really understand that Paul wrote to the Colossians that this whole mystery of our Christian faith is this. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. If Christ lives in you, and I don't love you, then I'm not loving Christ. Isn't that what he just said? If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Agape love is the fulfillment of all the law and the prophets. And it's always shown in action, not just an expression. So the final question I have is this, and this is a really serious question, is when the world looks at us, it's up there, but it's not. When the world looks at us, what does it see? What type of love does it see? When it looks at you and me, does it see just storge love? Yeah, I love my family. I hope people see that. I really do. Does it see that I just have friendships? Or does it see a love that they don't have? Because if you don't know Jesus, if you don't have God working in your life, living in your life, you cannot experience agape love. And that's what we need. You know what a hamburger's like without french fries? I mean, that's not even, that's not, you know, that's like sacrilegious almost in my life. Just like a hamburger needs french fries, everyone needs agape love in their life. It's the whole within them. Pascal said there's a God-shaped vacuum in every man and woman that only God can fill, and that's his love. Only his love can fill that, for God is love. Oh, man, if we could get this. And so we come to his table, because this table reminds us 
of the price that he paid for his love to be put in our hearts. Sin broke our fellowship. And he who knew no sin became sin so we might become the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. And now we're invited to the table to receive his overcoming, overwhelming, all-forgiving, transforming love. So stand with me. And as we begin to sing, I invite you to the cross. And maybe as you come to receive the elements this morning and go back to your seat, maybe on the way, on that journey to the cross, maybe already right now the Holy Spirit has spoken to you about some things you need to lay down at the cross. And so come and come with hearts of repentance and come with hungry hearts and come with open hearts and encounter the agape of God from His throne to your heart through the table of the Lord. Come. chapter 1 it said that in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth there was the Father the Logos of God and the Spirit of God and you ever thought at that moment when he began to create the earth and 
the plants and the water and the fish and the four-legged creatures. And, and then he made man. And before he made man, on that sixth day, knowing everything, can you maybe imagine that Jesus, who at that time was the eternal word of God, the Logos, John 1.1, 1, 1, might have said, you know what this will cost us. And I think that the Father and the Spirit said, yes, I know what it will cost. And He was willing to create us, even though He knew that we would fail Him, even though He knew that He would have to come in our place and bear the wrath of God against sin. And He created us anyway. And from that moment man sinned, it says He took an animal and He sacrificed it and He made clothing for Adam and Eve out of that sacrifice to cover them in anticipation of the one whom Satan would bruise the heel of. But in anticipation of the one who would crush Satan's head. So we take the wafer before God and it represents His willingness to lay down His own body so that we might be filled with His love and have the capability and capacity that we never had before to lay down our lives for one another. And so we partake of the body of Christ. And the cup reminds us that there's no sin. I'm going to say this over here to you. There's no sin. To you in the middle, there's no sin. To you over here, there's no sin that can break your fellowship with God. You say, well, what about the sin of blaspheming the Holy Spirit? You wouldn't be here this morning if you had done that one. You wouldn't be here. For those of you who have called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no sin that you have committed that can break fellowship with God because of the blood. Because of the blood. And this cup reminds us that He wasn't sacrificed just for our sins yesterday. But He died for the sins of the whole world that anyone and everyone who would call upon His name might be saved. And that when we sin, and everyone sins, for if anyone says He does not sin, He makes God a liar. But if we come to Him and we confess our sins, the Bible says every time He is faithful and just to not just forgive us, but to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what cleanses us from all unrighteousness? It's the agape of God. He pours out His love into us and He makes us vessels of honor. He pours out His love into us and He makes us vessels of worth. He pours out His love into us and He makes us like Himself. And this cup reminds us that the job isn't done yet, but the provision is. Did you hear what I just said? The job in us is not complete, but the provision is. And it's the same provision that brought us to salvation, that leads us through sanctification, that ushers us into full redemption. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's partake of that promise together. Let's receive His agape love. Let's close as we worship Him. You're so good, God. You're so good.
sing only Jesus. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. No other God. No other Savior. If that wasn't true, you know what? I'd be surfing on the beach. I mean, I'd be doing a different gig. But there's no one else. And He loves you so much. We don't have to be talented. We don't have to be skilled. If we just show agape love, if we're transformed by agape love, boy, it's going to change the world. You don't have to have a PhD to be a doctor of love. I'll give you right now, in Jesus' name, you all get your doctorate in love right now. Because the God of love lives in you. Next time someone says, hi, Russ, you say, no, it's the doctor of love. Yeah. <laughs> right on. And the love of God doesn't make us sourpusses either. It brings joy in our lives. So, Father, transform us by your love. We love you so much. If you're here this morning, uh, Mitch and Sandy, if you come forward, Terry and Karen, if you come forward, if you need more prayer for any item, healing or anything else, or you need Jesus, you say, you know what? Is this guy for real? I'm for real. And so is Jesus. Come and meet him this morning. Come after the service. Come up and pray with someone. Come to know Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Don't leave here without knowing Him. Now receive the blessing of God. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord, Lord Jesus, the Lord God of heaven, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, may, may, he, may, his, may His countenance shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you peace. Go in the peace of God. Go in the love of God. Go in that agape that he's given you. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. If you need prayer, come forward.